So then it comes down to just sort of, again, if you start small, it's easy to fit in something small and then you just move forward, you show improvement, it has real benefit, you, you're prepared. It's just so much easier if something goes wrong or even looks like it might be going wrong. Welcome everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Upwards. My name's Phil, if, if you don't know me, and this is my guest, Pete Simmons. Welcome, Pete. Hi, Phil. How's it going? Good, good, good. It's nice to have you on the podcast. So a little bit about Pete. I met Pete around about probably 15 years ago through through sort of what it feels like a couple of careers ago now. We were both both developers working on a, a pretty, pretty hairy project together. And since then, followed along his career through the through local industry and around the place. And more recently, Pete came on board with, with, with MyHR. He's CTO there currently. And they're also a customer of Omidly. So it's really nice to kind of have that, that connection there. We're also a customer of MyHR as it happens. So I thought it would be great to talk to a little bit more to Pete about his experience in working with security and privacy as a, as a technology leader. And in the, particularly in the context of working with small teams, working with his own team and some of the patterns and practices that have worked quite well for, for them. So today we're going to be talking a bit about that. You know, we, we, we like to say that security is a team sport. It's never just one person's responsibility or not even, or certainly only one person doesn't do it. So this is a particular dynamic I think is really beneficial, particularly to startups to think in this way and to, and to share that load, share that responsibility and ultimately, ultimately get more done. So Pete's an engineer, he's a technologist at heart, and I'm really excited to hear what he's going to say around, around this concept of, of teamwork and security and also privacy as well. So welcome again, Pete. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So look, folks, if, if you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this, please please like and subscribe. Listen, leave a comment. We'll do our best to get back to you and, and answer that as well. We'd love to hear from you. So if you've got any burning questions, either for Pete or myself, please leave them and we'll, we'll actually get back to you and answer those. We'd like to hear what people are thinking. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Phil. I run a company called Omidly. We're helping small technology teams build, manage, and scale out their own security and privacy programs. So one of the things we like to see around here is being cyber ready before you're ready. No one ever feels quite like it's the right time to do it or they're ready to go, but we believe there's never a, never a better time to start than now. So if you're interested, check us out. We're omidly.io and feel free to, to get in touch. We'd love to talk to you on that. So let's get into it. Pete, nice to have you here. Tell me a little bit about your experience in, in getting to in getting to MyHR as a CTO. I like to always start a little these things, a little bit of background. Tell us a bit about your journey, you know, through technology and into your role now to sort of kick us off. Yeah, well, you know, as Phil mentioned, I'm kind of engineer. So I did a, like a BSc at Auckland University and then ran a, did a, a web hosting app company in the late 90s while I was there with my family. We built that at Built a few little products, nothing super successful, but a few things that worked for people. And then, yeah, later on towards that, we we're working on some projects together that Phil mentioned and went overseas, as you do as a New Zealander, you go travel, went to the UK and worked for a pretty cool startup there in the webinar space. And so that was that was kind of a good experience to, to sort of be involved there as, as a sort of lead tech application architect, I think was my official title. So I spent a few years there and then came back to New Zealand because it's pretty nice place to come back to, lots of family and nice place to be. And almost, I guess, a month or two back in, I just happenstance got got the call up for a friend of mine. He was like, oh, these people have got in touch. They need to hand building their software. I'm pretty busy. Do you want to come along and meet? So, you know, went and met Sean and Jason, who are the, the co-founders of MyHR. Two pretty sort of energetic guys, slightly different personalities, but really, you know, had a, had a great idea. Jason's got a 
wealth of experience in the HR space and mm -hmm. Sean's run a few businesses. So he was sort of coming at it from a customer point of view. Jason was coming at it from a practitioner point of view. They, they built out a version of sort of a bootstrap version of the software, just bastardizing a CMS to prove out the concept. And <laughs> like, uh, all great, had, like all great version one. Yeah, products. yeah. They, <laughs> they proved it out. They had 50, 50 paying customers, very, very happy customers, very satisfied. Oh, yeah. But they, they, yeah, they'd realized, you know, that was in a year. So they, they'd realized, oh, yeah, we need to do this thing properly. So lucky enough, I sort of got the chance to help come in and, and sort of architect and build build that. And in the early days, it was mostly me. I had a couple of juniors and a few sort of contractors overseas and local over the time. Yeah, that was 10 years ago now, 11 years ago. So three years ago, came on full time. We sort of got, into, got the business to the point where it was, it was very viable and growing really well. So it came on full time and sort of been growing the dev team, tech team since then. Yeah. So uh, officially been CTO for a long time, but probably maybe slightly more real CTO in the last two, three years. Unofficially, unofficially for about 10 years, officially for about three years. Yeah, yeah when nice. you're CTO and it's just you, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not the same role. But, yeah, and yeah, granted, absolutely. Uh, by the way, you know, your, your start of the story around, I did, you know, did a web hosting company in the 90s is so is so is so classic early internet you know i think just yeah. about everybody who was, who was around the internet in the 90s had something to do with a web hosting company <laughs> it seemed like really that was kind of the the first foray into technology and then the internet was let's host let's host something let's figure out how to send some emails and let's do let's kind of go from there so that's that's amazing very very similar parallels to my own experience there okay so you've been doing you've been with with this with with my chair a little while and obviously a lot's been happening in the last couple of years as you've kind of formalized your role into into more of that tell me a little bit about how you know how you constructed your team and and how your approach perhaps to security has been as a as a sort of result of that i i know what what i see typically in a lot of companies like like yours and and, and many other ones i speak to is that the cto typically kind of carries the security role they don't usually have like a CISO or a dedicated security person very very common it doesn't usually arrive until a bit later in the piece perhaps so so often it's the cto maybe a, one or two other people in the company sort of you know driving that driving that forward can you tell me a little bit about your experience with that how and how you've how you've built your team to to handle that sort of thing yeah, that, that, that is pretty much exactly what happened. It's like, I don't know, I'm the tech guy, so they would look at me and go, what do we what do we need to do? Or I could mention something mm -hmm. that I really think we need to do. So in the early days, it was things like, and maybe this is four or five years ago, was just making sure people have, you know, got good practices because we're not just a tech company. We've got a lot of HR practitioners, probably more of them than technologists, actually. And so they're... They're very focused on on solving HR curly questions, or yes. or you know just making making people's lives easy. Hopefully, hopefully that's working for you as well. And but they they don't necessarily have an eye on this stuff from from the get go. So it's a lot about awareness and and training. Mm -hmm. And maybe the first sort of initiative we rolled out was sort of standardizing on a password manager to try and increase sort of password health, and and then roll out second factor and multi factor and the like across all, all the systems that we use so yeah just little steps like that and then as we as we kind of grew we got a few few other people who were pretty interested they were they were kind of coming from a privacy point of view that's a pretty pretty big thing in the hr space mm -hmm. people yeah. are pretty aware of that so that was a good a good in in terms of going well you know it's not private if it's not secure and vice versa so you know that was a good way to get sort of cross business so we've got now 
maybe two years ago, we started a, a little sort of security sort of group of us would get together on a monthly basis. And that was, you know, that was myself, April, who was sort of our next senior tech lead. It's also my wife. We work together. It's good fun. Nice, nice to spend time together. But, and then we had a VB who's now our, our COO. We, we were initially getting together for a little bit, just sort of how, how are we going to get better at this stuff? And that's kind of when we, we started looking around and came across Onwardly and, and went, well, well, that's a good way to, to, sort of have a plan because it's all about having a plan and breaking down the tasks you know it's it's just like every other problem that we deal with in tech or, or business and other ways is sort of have a plan have a goal but then break it down into small chunks and just continually move forward really so yeah. so yeah we that tech governance group sort of gets together once a month and a year ago we we rolled we made sure the privacy officer our privacy officer was coming to that as well and so we sort of made that that we're managing those two things pretty closely aligned. Yeah. So that's kind of how we, we do it. Just try to continually improve in small little steps. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's <clears throat> that little, that last piece there, I think is the absolute key is it's applying that, applying that engineering mindset in a way to, to something like security and privacy. You know, we often, we're, we're trained to do that in terms of our own code and our own product. Hopefully We've sort of largely got the message now in terms of continual improvement and retrospectives and and making real progress forward. But for some reason, a lot of teams are still stuck, you know, stuck in the dark ages when it comes to security and privacy. And and but what I'm seeing is the really effective people are actually taking some of those disciplines they've learnt, perhaps in the product world and the engineering world, and applying them to moving forward something like security and privacy as well. And it's cool to see that you're doing actually both of those together. Because in in sort of quote unquote small environments or small teams, often it's the same people anyway, or, or, or people closely connected to each other. So it's quite nice that that, that happens. How do you, uh, how do you, you know, what, what does that look like on a monthly basis? Do what, you know, do you mind just subscribing, not the specifics of your, your own company, but just in what that cadence looks like? Do you sort of, you know, look at last month's, you know, to-dos or progress? Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it, it's also, like, that really. What that looks like in practice, like what a, what a monthly catch-up looks like for the for the audience who might be thinking about implementing something like this in their own company. So typically, you know, last month we we'd sort of each identified some things we were going to try and push forward. And, and by the way, we're not actually necessarily doing these things. We're just sort of owning getting them done. So we'll we'll enlist as much help as we can outside the business. And we've got various kind of evangelists, mm-hmm. people who we found their interest. Like we've one of the one of the at the time he's quite junior he's sort of rising the ranks now but he's very very interested in in, in writing about phishing attacks and, and that kind of from privacy security angle coming at it from that point of view so he's whenever anything comes up we get him to update his articles and we've got that on internal knowledge base but so a catch-up you know like most of these sorts of things that you do you have a to-do list that you thought you were you're hoping you'd get done or plan to get done last time so maybe slightly more positive angle you look back and go well how many did i get done that's cool uh, yeah, goals. goals yeah yeah and, uh, and if you got them done and you got a bit more great if you're struggling with something then you ask for help and and you know brainstorm if there's something getting in the way often that's not too much of the case often it is literally just making sure we're putting enough time into this and and you know and then looking forward like what how, how could we do this better how can we enlist more uh get get more people thinking about this more often because if you get an entire organization thinking about this a little bit it goes a really long way as opposed to a few of you mm-hmm. thinking about it a lot it doesn't nearly go as far so yeah but the, the actual catch-up you know as as a lot of these things do it's just that straightforward this was 
this is what I aim to get done. I got these things done. This one's close or in progress. This one's didn't get started. This one got stuck for some reason. And you just go through them. And we need, we need to spend, often we're only spending half an hour. And because there's a few of us coming as well, if someone can't make it because they're a bit too busy, they'll often just do an async. Hey, this is my update. You guys have a chat about it if you need to. Sometimes our meetings are only five minutes. So things are going pretty well. We all got to spend time on it. It's just like, yeah, look, I got these things done. It's it's clear. This is what I'm going to do next time. You know, and just sort of most of the time, that's kind of how it's good to roll if you can. But when you have little issues, you've got some support there to help you through. So. Yeah. One of the one of the big challenges I think that I see that many teams have is like, I just, you know, I, this is all great in practice. I'd love to do this. I don't have the time yep. is what I hear. We know, I know from experience that, that there's time for things that matter. And sometimes, like you say, it doesn't also take that much time. Can you tell us a little bit about perhaps your experience, how how you've made time for this? But, also, you know, it's, it seems often it's a communication challenge to other people in the company. You know, why aren't you spending time building product or doing these things? What is this all about for those folks, other stakeholders kind of looking in? Do you mind sharing a little bit about your journey with that in terms, you know, really often a successful yeah. executive? about getting the time sure. and the budget, you know, so to speak, in terms of getting other people on board with the fact that you're you're doing this. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I guess luckily it's I've never I've never struck a we 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 can't do this. It's always a oh yeah, we have to do that. We have to find a way. That's generally the attitude and that's coming from both Sean and Jason about this stuff as well. Like they know that this is integral to the product. So while people might say, hey, we need to be working on products, like this is this is underpinning everything. This is the product. I mean, somewhat that's, I guess, because of the space we're in. It's it's kind of front of mind. You do have a lot of personal information that you're collecting for the needs. You have a real need for it. We're not collecting anything we don't need to be. Kind of try to be careful about that. But it's important to look after it and be a steward of it. It's important to, you know, fundamentally, we're trying to facilitate relationships and good relationships wherever we can. So, yeah, it's not been too bad on that front. But there is a lot of pressure on a lot, you know, there's a lot of pressure to do a lot of things. And so finding the time to do everything is difficult. This is one of many. It's not deranked, as it were, for us, which is quite nice. There's no there's no real blockers or anything. So then it comes down to just sort of again, if you start small, it's easy to fit in something small and then you just move forward, you show improvement, it has real benefit, you you're prepared. It's just so much easier if something goes wrong or even looks like it might be going wrong you know even think people are worried about stuff if you have a run book about how to handle potential i don't know it's just so much easier because you you've got a training manual then right like your run book is your training manual so yeah i don't i don't, I don't think it's yeah it's not really rocket science it's just to sort of have a plan and get in and do the work it, but that sounds easier so but it is literally like you've got to do this stuff else the other thing that you think is more important, well, it's, it might end up being worthless. So it's, it really does matter that much. So. I, the way I sometimes talk about this to people is they say I don't have time. It's like, well, do you have two hours a month? It's like, oh, well, I guess mm. so. It's like, well, even with two hours a month, you can make meaningful progress in some, some things, which is a difference between we're just totally unprotected in this way versus we have something in place massive difference and so i think i think you were so right about just 
carving out the time, just it's very basic, put it in place, put some basic cadences in place and, and just turn up and do it. Put it in the calendar, you know, and, and, and make some progress on it. The way I've been thinking about an, an analogy to this a little bit as well from the engineering side. For me, it feels a little bit like writing tests. You know, you sort of go slower before you, you go in order to go faster. And, and years ago, no one was writing, you know, only, only the hardcore maybe were writing tests and many people just YOLO'd it before, wrote something, tests were an afterthought, you were lucky if you had them. But you got to the point where the application sort of pretty much became quite brittle and unstable because you just had no, you had no, you know, no unit test coverage at all. It was sort of like you change something and something breaks over here and you don't know why. I feel like, you know, there's a similar analogy with security. It's like you could ignore it, ignore it, ignore it until one day you sort of can't. And, and if you engineer it in the beginning, brick by brick, as your organization goes, as your organization scales, you know, doing something at five people is much easier to keep doing it at 50. But to start doing it at 50 is a, a much heavier lift and a lot more painful. And so mm -hmm. do it early, do it often, and just build some of those practices in from an early stage. And you'll, you know, you'll, you'll feel the reward of those. I mean, I wrote tests at Push Bay that we didn't see the benefit of probably f until 18 months later, in some cases. You know, when it's like, finally, okay, we go to refactor this. Oh, this is really useful to know that this is still effectively working in these ways. So yeah, I don't know if that, 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 that's something oh. I've been thinking about, you know. It's that kind of idea of going slower to go faster. Yeah, totally. I mean, you eliminating uncertainty wherever possible so you've got confidence to move forward, right? Like, that's essentially what tests are for. That's the same thing with good security practices and having, like, knowing that there's a thing there in case something goes wrong. I don't have to worry about it because mm. if you're uncertain, you're worrying about it. You're not focused on the other thing that you're trying to do at the time, right? Whatever that may be. So I think yeah, that's really key. Yeah. And a, and a lot of security practices, as folks may, may know, is it's not, it's not necessarily, it's about responding. It's about rehearsing your response. So yeah. it's, you know, predict, predict, uh, sorry, protect, detect, and respond. All three of those kind of categories are what it's about. And so a lot of it is simply about getting ready. If something does happen, we know what to do. We don't have to figure it out on the spot. And, and that really helps if you've had time to, to do a little bit of that. So tell me about your, you know, you mentioned you had sort of a strong privacy. You said some privacy advocates sort of on the team early on, given, you know, given the nature of what you do, which is pretty important. How, how does, how do you find security and privacy play together in your world? Like you feel that's a pretty smooth kind of arrangement Are different people handling the different subjects. How, how does that kind of work for you guys? Well, I mean, we have a privacy officer, so obviously so to some degree, they're the resident expert and making sure they're fully up to date with all the training and, and the law and, and all of that. But then that's really, it's about them being educating the rest of us and, and mm. us educating ourselves, obviously. So, and I think the same with security, although some of the security things get quite technical pretty quickly. And so then it comes back to like, well, what's a practical step for someone who's not technical, right? Because there's, so there's mm. developer security training of the things like we're doing to make sure the underpinnings are there. So you can, if you follow good practice, but then there's the sort of awareness training. And a lot of the awareness I think with security and privacy kind of goes hand in hand. If you're, it's really about caring, right? You know, like you're, mm. you're trying to, you, you, you care and you, you understand the value of what you've got there. You, you want to look after it and be a good steward of it. So if you, it, it's pretty easy to get distracted by what you might think is your focus. And, but actually, while it might be your, your focus, you, you, you know, you need to follow good practices in general around, around your focus. Otherwise, you're kind of maybe wasting your time, which is not a, no one wants to feel like that. They always want to feel like they're moving forward. So in terms of sort of practical stuff, 
I think it's really building in the same kind of, you know, so you, you, you do sort of risk registers from a security point of view, a lot of, the, a lot of, there's quite a lot of overlap between that and, and from a privacy point of view too. It's like, well, well, why is someone going to get it? It's because of the valuable information you've got. That's why they're coming to get it. It's valuable. You want to keep it private. That's sort of the point. To do that, you need to keep mm. it secure. So they, mm. they do go pretty closely hand in hand. Mm. I like what you said about reach kind of doing the right thing. And I think a, a lot of, you know, privacy and I think security is actually, we could do these things. But should we do them sometimes, you know, particularly on the privacy side, we can collect a lot of information. And so part of that process is going, well, okay, should we collect this? And what are we going to do with it? Yeah. And is, even if people have given, technically given their permission to do something with it, is yeah. that actually the right thing to do there as well? And so thinking about it from an ethics point of view for companies, I think this is a, a good way to go as well to say, okay, well, you know, just being aware, what are we collecting? Why are we collecting it? What are we doing with it? And and should we be doing that with it? And I think generally privacy has come into the consciousness of people more and more in the last few years. But it, but it, there's a, that's just a really big angle of it as well. It's like you, you're stewarded with this this information that's not really yours, it's someone else's. And then you have a responsibility to protect that. And a big part of obviously privacy thinking is is security. It's running an effective security program around that to actually protect that from being to being 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 leaked. What how how have you gone in terms of, you know, you mentioned sort of it's better when the whole organization plays a part and you've got sort of other folks. Uh, tell me about kind of any, you know, how have you how have you achieved that at my HR? Like how you know, think I'm thinking things like enlisting champions, things like that. Tell me a little bit about your your experience there. Yeah. So so we've sort of, you know, if someone puts their or shows an interest then you know, just cultivate that. It's like, like anything, you know, it's yeah. take the easy, sort of take the easy option, right? Like try and be lazy and have someone help. But if they're, if they're interested and got the energy to do it, by all means, you know, let's give them the training and the and the power to to make a difference, right? As well as, you know, and, and some of that came about from, we do a, like a monthly company-wide update and on a fairly regular basis, we'll mention sort of security and or privacy either specifics or the more general we're hiring quite rapidly as well all the time so there's always new people to introduce the old things to like rinse and repeat your messages that's how you get them across and even the people who've heard it before it doesn't hurt to say these things again especially you know it's maybe like i keep mentioning it's not their focus so if you bring it to the fore again it just brings it to front of mind and you know i think the same thing occurs with with all sorts of messaging but but it, there, there's no difference with with this stuff. If you if you talk about it and shine a light on it, and then all the smart people in the room can think about it and they can make a difference, right? And that's a huge huge win compared to I don't know, say trying to hold it and worrying about it yourself and being a hero yeah. like doesn't really solve anything. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I, I really like that approach. I think it's a good that's a good leadership sort of style to model and and. People taking an interest, that's great. Empower them to do that. Don't don't hold it back for, for you know, and they may not even be directly necessarily straight in your team either, I suppose. You know, they could be in some other part of yeah. the business. Having oh, that sort of cross it's even effective, it, yeah. 100%. It's the more the more different areas of the business you can get, a, a, the ideal would be there's a champion in every every team, right? You know, so the more the more varied and diverse you can make something, the better it is, right? Especially from both security and privacy because you've just got more, more angles you're thinking about it like mm. i don't know everyone's got their bias the way to avoid it is to have more people involved more angles yeah so 
I like that. I really like that. We are, you know, we might not not like to admit it, but we are we are kind of hopelessly biased as as human beings and and as leaders. And I think the sooner we realise that, the better we're empowered to to maybe uh, maybe counteract that a little bit by by enlisting those others in the team. Look, we're sort of coming in for a landing here, Pete. I I really appreciate your thoughts and your time on this. I think you've got a lot of great things to say. So, hopefully, audience, you've got some great uh, sort of little nuggets of wisdom from this. That's for this week, folks. Thanks again, Pete. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. First podcast. Yeah, likewise. likewise. And, uh, no, you did great. You did great. And hopefully we'll, this will be one of many in the future. So thank you again. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next uh, next week. Bye for now. This is Upwards, the podcast for security and tech leaders brought to you by Onwardly. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And join us again next time for more on security, startups, and leadership.